0: predictions are dangerous we absolutely need more inventory
1: the fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation
0: that cash has dried up wow is my first thought bruce if both parties don't win it doesn't happen the real look trending news G'day. today's wednesday november 29th i'm bruce hardy and i'm chase williams and this is the news you need to know According to Fannie Mae, the housing market has not hit the bottom in existing home sales yet. In fact, they're projecting that we're going to see a drop further. With mortgage rates having previously soared to around 8%, existing home sales will likely decline further to bottom out in early 2024. Now, the good news is is that sales will rebound as mortgage rates are expected to decline. And that's all from Fannie Mae's Economic and Strategic Research Group. You and I aren't big fans necessarily of these projections. But uh, what thoughts do you have of this?
1: I can tell you this, Bruce, that is not music to the ears of a lot of our listeners. If, if, big if, that's true. Because frankly, if we haven't hit bottom yet, we are wondering why it feels like we hit our face on the bottom multiple times, given the conditions of the marketplace and the number of home sales that are happening at the very least industry-wide. There's a lot of talk, and as you mentioned, projection here around interest rates easing sometime in the late first quarter, first half, if you will, of 2024. That's a big question mark, Bruce. That would help in terms of relieving some of the restricted nature of the number of sales we're seeing. And yet, we don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does for a lot of people's sake. And I know a lot of people would agree with that. I think in terms of what we're doing in our businesses on a daily basis, we'd be best to act as if maybe it isn't going to happen. And then if it does, it's gravy, right? They're saying a lot of what we're saying, but just being a little more specific with the prediction, which we stay away from, which is that there's not going to be any immediate massive change or rebound in what we've been experiencing for a number of months now
0: yeah i think it's interesting right that you've got a an outfit like fannie mae tying their projections to what their betting interest rates will be you know and i gotta be honest with you i'm surprised you can't bet on these interest rates on the sport betting apps (laughs) because i mean that's literally what you're doing you're gambling on that but i think what's interesting here for me chase was existing home sales declined 4.1 percent in october from September. And that came down to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 3.79 million homes. And that's according to NAR. Now, compared to October of 2022, existing home sales have slumped 14.6% down from 4.44 million. Again, right, we're seeing this and they expect Q4 to seasonally adjust to be 3.9 million on an annualized basis. That would put us the lowest since Q3 of 2010.
1: And by the way, that's the second month in a row that the seasonally adjusted number has been sub 4 million, right? We saw it at 3.9 the month before, now 3.79. I think it's interesting that they're expecting more sales in November and December than what they saw seasonally adjusted in October. That would be a surprise. I don't believe that'll happen, but again, not making any predictions. Regardless, Bruce, I think Uh, those numbers are incredibly low compared to not only the numbers we've seen in recent years, but even the numbers we've seen all the way back into the 90s. So when I joke around, it's really no joke around face planning on the bottom. It certainly feels that way, even if we're not quite there yet. I say that with no emotion attached to it other than to prepare the professionals listening for what they are in control of and what they need to be doing in order to get their unfair share of all the transactions that are still happening all around them in their local market. And you, you always do a great job of encouraging them to focus there rather than what's happening nationally necessarily, although I think it's important for those folks to stay informed.
0: Right. Well, and it's interesting, right, because they are actually forecasting a mild recession in 2024 with a slight rebound in 2025. And really, this is based on the impact of what the Fed has been doing with with raising rates, right? So they're expecting unemployment to peak at 5.4% in the middle of 2025, with core inflation trending towards the Federal Reserve's 2% target goal, which would say to me that we may see 2025 be somewhat recessionary because that's what they're describing there. What we also see here, Chase, is that they are constantly revising their goals, right? Every three to six months, they're saying, well, we said this, but now we think it's going to be this, right?
1: Yeah, it certainly can feel like a moving target, right, Bruce? And to some degree, it is. I mean, if we're just being honest, right, there's no exact formula or crystal ball or one of those eight balls that like gives you the exact answer. They don't have one of those at the federal level. And if they did, it'd be about as accurate as one of those eight balls that told you what the prediction was. They oftentimes use the language of soft landing. Yeah. And that is what everyone wants. The challenge is they rarely achieve it. And so that's, again, just being the realist here in the room, and I apologize if I'm bumming anyone out. I hope they achieve a soft landing too. And it isn't outside of reach, it's just not common. So it would be the exception rather than the rule. You know, trying to predict these things with specific timing, late 2024, early 2025, is also really tough to do.
0: Well, Chase, some better news. While prospective homebuyers are grappling with still elevated mortgage rates, a growing share of Americans are enjoying being mortgage free. In fact, in 2022, nearly 40% of US homeowners owned their homes outright. And that's according to the Census Bureau data analyzed by Bloomberg. In total, 33.3 million single family homes and condos were mortgage free. And that's a 31% increase compared to the 25.4 million homes a decade ago. What's going through your mind when I share that with you?
1: When I first heard this number, Bruce, which wasn't in this story, but it was in recent months of the percentage of homes that were owned with no mortgage attached to them, nearly 40, I think it's 39%. I was mind blown. I, I had no idea, right, which is why I've been sharing with people. This is why you pay attention to what the information tells you, because that was news to me. And there's opportunity there. There's a lot of people who would advocate just the security and the empowerment that having your primary residence and not owing anybody anything on it brings. And there's a lot of people that advocate for that at the right stage of your wealth building journey. There's others that say, hey, why the heck would you not have a 2.5% mortgage on some of that money to go and repurpose it? So it's one of those, you know, if you put 100 people in a room, 50 might argue one way and 50 would argue the other. But certainly, the 39 percent isn't arguing for having a mortgage on the current rates and experiencing that opportunity.
0: Right, and the financial freedom that comes with that. I thought this was interesting, Chase, and that is, is that people aged 65 years or older actually own 33 percent of the 84.6 million owner-occupied homes in 2022. And that was up 4.6% from 2012. So in 10 years, it's grown almost 5%. You know, I think the news in that piece of information is that we've got an aging population in our country. What's going to happen to those homes in the next 10, 15, 20 years?
1: Yeah, exactly right, Bruce. There's going to be some of those folks that need to downsize, that need to be in a different facility, for example, maybe moving in with their children, something like that. Not to mention the worst of all that, which is death and the things that come along with age. And not to be morbid, but what we're really talking about here, Bruce, are the opportunities that that presents, both yeah. now and in the future, right? And so it's an encouragement to those listening that. These are people that, A, you need to be in constant relationship and communication with so that you're the expert that they choose when they get ready to make a decision around this home that has no mortgage on it. Also, you can be the expert that's giving them the options now for what they might do, even ahead of a life event that forces them, right? Like buying a second home or investing in real estate or even downsizing. Bruce, downsizing ahead of being forced to with health or age because those consumers, if they have enough equity to go and downsize and let's say pay cash for a home today, they're not rate sensitive at all. Because They're going to go from one home that they own free and clear to another home that they're going to own free and clear for all the right reasons for their situation. And they need a professional to help them do that. Well, as simple as that sounds, not everyone understands exactly how that process would go, or they've had a poor experience in the past. And they really need a professional, right? I'm going to guess that a certain percentage of these older homeowners, if you will, that own these homes free and clear, maybe have never even sold a home before. Maybe this is a home they've lived in for a really long time and they finally paid off the mortgage. And so selling it and buying another one is is not something that they do all the time. And that's opportunity for a professional to help someone make the right decision, right?
0: Yeah. When I first read these numbers... I was reminded of the interview that we did last week with Kathy Kleber and this idea of becoming certified in working with seniors, right? Because this is going to be a massive opportunity. The other thought is, why wouldn't you join the real estate planning community with Danny Hara? Again, with so many people having so much equity, I believe we're going to see some of that equity get transferred prior to them passing, right? Rather than after they die and and they're family gets to inherit that wealth. So uh, again, this is a massive opportunity. And Chase, I was sharing before this podcast, we were talking about net worth as a result of owning real estate. And Lawrence Yun shared recently at the NAR Next conference in Anaheim, that in 2019, the average net worth of a homeowner was $295,500. Now, compare that with a renter. The average net worth in 2019 was $7,300. Well, let's fast forward three years. The average net worth of a renter in 2022 was $10,400. So basically, what? $3,000 improvement, $3,100 improvement. However, the average net worth of a homeowner in 2022 was 396200
1: So over a $100,000 increase in average net worth in a three-year period. Yeah, that's incredible, Bruce. And it illustrates what we've talked about a number of times, just the importance of homeownership and building wealth in this country, and the encouragement for anyone during any time to invest long-term in the right piece of real estate for them right? That's not go buy a house if you're not ready or, or go spend more than you can afford. That's not any of that. That's just demonstrating the value and potential of owning real estate over the course of time and not waiting to do that only until you find the right piece for you, given your circumstances and not a minute longer, right? That's an encouragement around what owning real estate can do for you. And I think given some of the conditions that we're experiencing, sometimes people start to think that maybe that's not true anymore. And those numbers illustrate the exact opposite. And by the way, long term, the difference will continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. I'm a thousand percent confident in that. And I hope that we can implore that confidence onto those that it would be a great decision for, which is some of those potential clients out there for us, right?
0: Absolutely. Changes are afoot, right? The industry's changing. Fathom Holdings is the latest brokerage to make a significant C-suite change. In fact, the firm announced that it has appointed its current president and chief financial officer, Marco, and I'm going to get his name wrong, Fragonal, as CEO. He's actually replacing the current CEO and company founder, Josh Harley, who is stepping down from the role and giving up his seat on the board of directors for family reasons. And the quotation marks, right? That's the quote and he has endorsed the succession plan. Now, I think this is pretty interesting. I mean, Fathom hasn't been around that long, right? I think back in 2010, 2012, they're based out of Cary, North Carolina. And again, this is just another one of these changes that we're seeing. And I believe that the market and the shift in the market has a lot to do with that.
1: Yeah, I'm certain that it has something to do with some of these changes we're seeing, Bruce. And certainly, I wouldn't want to speculate regarding someone's you know, family reasons, because we obviously believe in God family and then oh, business. Yeah. even here at this company. So I always respect people making the right decision for their family. And yet we are seeing the pressure of this market, the pressure of the competition in the industry, and frankly, Bruce, the pressure of leadership, which is always there, right? These other things just make the pressure of leadership that's always there uh, a little more heavy sometimes, which is a responsibility. And it's something that we say yes to as leaders. And yet it can sometimes be exhausting. And there was a metric there for a while that the average CEO in a Fortune 100 company, or maybe it was 500, I forget, but the concept is still the same. is about seven years. And those are across all different industries, right? And, and so whether that's still the exact data point or not, it indicates that There is a shelf life to submitting yourself to that level of pressure, depending on the size of business, who you are, right, the industry and other factors as well. But I think we're going to see more of this. And I don't say that with any emotion attached to it. That's just one of the few predictions that maybe I'll make on this program. We're going to see more leaders deciding that now's the time to cash out. Now's the time to retire. Now's the time to refocus on even other things in life, whether that's family or their own personal production. And those are tough decisions to make, right? They're not generally made lightly and they're certainly not made in a vacuum. You can see where this company even is choosing a leader that's been with Josh for a long time to kind of step in at the helm for that reason.
0: I mean, there's ego involved with it, but there's also identity, right? I mean, people who've founded companies, have their identity tied to that. And I know making a decision like this isn't done lightly, right? It takes some effort to get to that place. Chase, we are talking every day to people who are wondering whether or not they want to keep doing what they're doing, right, in owning their own independent brokerages.
1: Yeah, they are, Bruce. There's a lot of folks you know, opting into different options, whether that's selling or merging or being acquired. They're deciding that for now, continuing to lead at the level that they are is is not for them. And I totally respect that. Yep. I think it's naive to think that all leaders aren't having that conversation with themselves regularly. I think that's just part of being a leader. I shared with one today, Bruce, on a call I was on, and I won't mention any names, but a leader who's really struggling with like, this is really hard. Do I want to keep doing this? You know, I shared that it's a daily recommitment. It's a daily recommitment to the role. It's a daily recommitment to the responsibilities. It's a daily recommitment to those you've chosen to serve. Right. And yet when you're thinking about yourself and how you're feeling and, and the pressure, right, it's, it's kind of easy to to forget that. And yet no one says that everyone has to recommit every single day for the rest of their life. But again, those are challenging decisions that are not usually made lightly. So, again, I think we're going to see more of this. Matter of fact, didn't REMAX also just recently have a leadership change?
0: Yeah, they did. So they just appointed Eric Carlson as their new CEO. And Carlson has most recently served as the president and CEO of Dish Network Corporation, right? So it's interesting as businesses evolve and and REMAX is a publicly traded company, as most of the large companies inside the real estate space are now. And there's a different skill set that comes along with that, right, with running a public company versus running just a real estate company. So, yeah, I think these are interesting times. I think we're going to see a lot more as time gets on. And And by the way, it's hard right? It's, it's hard leading in, in tough times. And when you look back over the last few years, it's sort of been one sort of obstacle after the other, right? You had the pandemic. People hadn't been trained to lead through a pandemic before, right? And then you come out of that and you think, oh, great. Finally, we're back to work. And oh, guess what? There's now a whole, whole new set of pressures, both economic in the industry and think about this i mean we deal with this day in day out the world has changed as a result of that pandemic i mean we have had conversations around what's going on in commercial real estate with regards to buildings we own offices and we're finding people aren't coming back now leading when half of your workforce is remote and or hybrid that's different right to having your people with you where you can influence them directly yeah i think these are different times
1: They are different times, Bruce. And so it requires, again, a daily recommitment, but also an opportunity for learning, for growth, for figuring out new ways to do things as you shared. The tricky thing about growth that no one ever tells you, Bruce, is it's pretty painful in the moment. (laughs) Like growth doesn't actually come through. This is awesome, right? Like it comes through like, this is hard. The saying we have that we use once in a while, right? No pressure, no diamonds. Mm -hmm. And that's the opportunity that it provides those that continue to say yes to the responsibility and continue to frankly submit themselves to the pressure that is the ideas that we're learning, we're growing and we're developing as leaders. And hopefully that brings value to those that we serve.
0: Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Josh Adams with Keller Realty Coeur d'Alene in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Apple, Google or Spotify or really any major streaming platform to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to The Real Look.